Greetings, Sci-Fi Universe. Owen Cotter here. Join me, your host, as we discuss all things geek chic and out of this world on Sci-Fiction Radio, your galactic transmission portal to all things science fiction and beyond. Hello, uh, Sloan, are you there? Yes, hi. Is that Owen? Yes, indeed. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thank you. Good, good. How are you? Doing pretty good, doing pretty good. It's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Uh, well, let's see Thank here. You. you have this. Oh, you're most welcome. Let's see. You, you have this very cool award-winning sci-fi film called Dimensions that you've directed. For everyone, can you tell us about how that came about and everything? Sure, yes. Um, so I guess my background is um, actually when I was very little, I was in commercials. I'm from L.A. originally, but I've been living in the U.K., on and off for 20 years. So I've um, I've worked my way up in art departments, and I've been an art director, assistant art director on Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince and Batman Begins, and I also worked on Six Feet Under over here. So I have a lot of art department experience on TV and film. And then my husband, Ant, um, is a music composer to begin with, Ant Neely, uh, and then he started writing scripts. And at one point, shortly after I finished working on uh, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, um, we'd been talking about making our own film, and we just kept talking about it and talking about it, and we thought, you know what, if we don't just go ahead and do it, it's not going to happen. So Ant wrote a script, and we both really like, we love sci-fis, and, you know, grew up reading, like, you know, Ray Bradbury or watching, you know, reruns of The Twilight Zone, and, and also, like, period pictures, and it seemed it seemed to make sense, although it sounds like a strange combination of genres to have period in sci-fi, but it seemed to make sense to put it in in another time. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, so he came up with the script. I read it. I liked it. And we we got it off the ground by selling our house in Twickenham in England. <laughs> wow. wow. Well, <laughs> so that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> well, can you, can you give us an overview of the film's plot and tell us a little about some of the various characters in the movie? Sure, yeah. Um, so... Dimensions is about a brilliant young scientist who's obsessed with traveling back in time and revisiting a moment from his childhood. Um, But there's sort of, I guess, like with any sci-fi and time travel, there's always a bit of paradoxes and things going on. But So he wants to travel back to revisit this time because a tragic event happened to one of his best friends when he was little. But as a as a grown up and a scientist, he believes in multiple parallel universes, and that uh, his name's Stephen, and that every you know incarnation of anything is happening at the same time, in, you know, ad infinitum, you know, so that it's sort of the branching theory, like you might have blue eyes, but you know, in another universe, you might have brown eyes, or you're wearing green trousers, and then you know, you might be wearing red trousers. So that every single possible combination of events is actually happening all at the same time, and that's what Stephen believes. So it's sort of like he's almost contradicting himself to think he can go back and, you know, fix something from the past, but he's got this obsession about wanting to get back to this moment um, and to this, you know, this uh, friend, this childhood friend. So there, it's it's sort of a film on many levels. You can sort of enjoy it as as a story about friends and, and friendship and, and love and jealousy, and then there's a lot of sort of science science fiction sort of time travel you know par- paradoxes so to speak going on so um, right. yeah it's you could you could sort of watch it on different levels 
so you, it takes place in the 1920s, if I believe. And what what exactly? Why did you choose that timeline specifically to set the film? That is a good question. Well, actually, most of the film takes place. Um, we shot at a property just outside of Cambridge, which is actually Aunt's uh, older brother and his sister-in-law's house, and it's this gorgeous house that was, you know, built in you know late 1800s, so Victorian, and then it was sort of. Uh, added on to in the 1920s, and it's a big, gorgeous house on big property, literally on the river cam. So there's a nice river going by. There's an 80-tree apple orchard, and we were visiting once. They just moved there, and over a couple glasses of wine, um, his brother's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you guys could shoot a film here. And we're like, okay. <laughs> so and sort of when, when we realized you know, what we wanted to do and, and what sort of story, you know, Aunt wanted to tell and what we wanted to tell, Aunt wrote the script with this location in mind, and it's a gorgeous location. It's very magical, and it, it does almost feel, to sound a bit corny, um, timeless. And, you know, we didn't want to make it a contemporary film because then you have to deal with things like mobile phones and, you know, computers and laptops and the Internet, and it's like we we wanted it not to be... You know, we wanted it to be free of that, so it needed to be in an earlier period. And it just seemed, I don't know, it just seemed sense to make it sort of the kids. They start. It starts with the kids in 1921, and then into the film it goes into you know, 15 years later. Uh, so it's in the 30s. So uh, both time, you know, both bits of the film are between, you know, the first and second World War. Uh, and yeah, it just seemed like a good time to put it in with lovely clothing and, you know. And, and and interwar period. That sounds Thanks. awesome. That sounds awesome. <laughs> now, you have a you. you have a time machine in the yes. movie. Yes. How did how did that how how did the design of that like how did y'all design that and what exactly was used in creating that and how did that come come into play? Um, well, I guess you know with the time machine, it's like if it were say modern or more you know this isn't a spaceship sci-fi obviously so you know it it seemed like it it didn't it needed to be something more organic something like found you know as opposed to building you know a metallic right. you know frame from scratch so we wanted a found element to begin with and we actually went to a charity shop you know like a um, like a thrift shop and right. And we were looking around, it's like, you know, Anne's like, what about a wardrobe? And I'm like, eh, it can't be a wardrobe. I mean, you know, I like the line, the witch, and the wardrobe, but it can't be a wardrobe. It just, it just, that wasn't quite right. And we saw this um, upright piano, and we were both like, that's it, that's it. And Anne's a musician to begin with, although his his main um, instrument is the guitar, but he can play the keyboards a bit. But um, when we saw it, it's like, that, that's it, that's it. It's, you know, it's this, you know, uh, lovely brown you know brown wooden obviously and it just it just made sense and then we took it and and then when we went to buy it they they were like oh well you know it doesn't work anyway and we're like that's perfect because then we'll feel less guilty about like cutting into it <laughs> and then you know because we sort of uh cut into some of the wood to make some very pretty shapes and then of course we added other bits and pieces to make it more time machine like and then we also had uh both special effects so practical effects on set like smoke and things but we also had visual effects to augment it and make it you know make it into a real time machine right now how how did you come up with those visual effects that i saw where like had like a portal that kind of you could like jump through or whatever and that was pretty yeah nice. how that how, how yeah well, I think part of it was in the script. So Ant had written that, he, you know, the, there's something about going into the portal and you need something that, you know, a human could fit through. 
Uh, and right. then on top of it, I was working uh, with ideas with um, a visual effects supervisor who who I know, Angus Bickerton, who's who's wonderful and has done lots of big films. And so he and I were discussing ideas, and he comped up a few things for me of of what we could do uh, without giving too much of the game away about someone going through the portal. Uh, and so, yeah, between the script and myself and and Angus's good ideas, we sort of came up with how, you know, how you could make it work. Because obviously with any science fiction film or any time machine, you know, it's like it's not, you know, obviously 100% real science. So you, you, can, you have leeway, obviously, to say, well, you know, but then you also have people, you know, audience members' minds of what they're used to seeing or what they think it should be. So, you, you know, you kind of want to, you don't want to go too far out. Um, but you want to sort of play with expectations of, you know, what they think they're going to see and what we actually give them, if that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right, right, right. And, and there's there's multiverses in the film. Now, who, who are, there's some bad guys in the film. What, tell us about some of the antagonists in, in the movie. Uh, well, there there's someone named Robert who's a friend of uh, Stephen and his cousin Conrad grow up together, mm-hmm. and so Robert is, you know, an old friend of their, their both their fathers, and so he's someone who sort of comes into play because he he sort of wants to help out, but uh, I, I don't believe he's always trustworthy. So um, without saying too much more, he's he's an interesting he's an interesting character, and and although the actor himself is actually a really wonderful guy. <laughs> well, that's that's good to hear. Now, now the t- it's, Deals with time travel, multiverses. Now you also won some awards for the film, I believe. What were some of the awards you won? Uh, yeah, we we did quite well, which we're happy about. We uh, we've actually won five best film awards at various film festivals around the world, and and I'm happy to say we won, you know, a couple of best film awards at science fiction film festivals, and also at mm-hmm. you know regular non-science fiction film festivals. So it's it's quite nice that both. Science fiction fans seem to like it because it's not, you know, truly seeped in, in, you know, maybe what some people expect to be sci-fi. You know, it's not a spaceship sci-fi. Right, um, right like spaceship. But it's not. Sp- <laughs> exactly. And so, but we like that, you know, people who like both sci-fis and people who aren't necessarily sci-fi fans seem to take to it. So, yeah, I think luckily I'd like to say we have a broad audience. So, Yeah. <laughs> it seems like a very unique film, and I thought, I mean, unlike some of these, a lot of these other time travel series and time travel movies, uh, you know, like Doctor Who and, of course, the famous Back to the Future and, you know, mm. Stargate, like, really not time travel, but kind of got a portal, too. But uh, speaking of that, what are some of your favorite science fiction series that you've enjoyed or some of the stuff you enjoyed that, that sparked your interest? Ooh, that's a good question, because I've liked, I've liked, I mean, my mom read a lot of science fiction and, you know, just lots of novels so I she sort of turned me on to like Ray Bradbury books when I was younger and then you know I would watch reruns of Twilight Zone when I was homesick from school yeah Yeah, Yeah. sometimes on purpose homesick from school so I could watch reruns at 12 and 12 30 in the afternoon five days a week um and then you know like like a lot of other people of a certain age I you know grew up watching the Star Wars movies and I'd watch, you know, reruns of Star Trek and, you know, just, I mean, like most science fiction fans, the one thing that's really brilliant is like you can discuss, you know, really interesting subjects or almost, you know, especially back in the 60s, 70s, whatever, 
you know, so-called controversial subjects, you know, or things that people mm-hmm. didn't actually talk about, but then you could you could relate to it, you know, on a science fiction level because it's not the real world, you know. You could talk about things that are more political or, you know, um, yeah. Sorry, I've lost, I started rambling. Oh, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Well, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, no, go on. I was just saying, pertaining to that subject about, you know, like controversial and different topics, I mean, what what are some of your viewpoints on, like, modern science fiction and how, it, how it's changed over the years? It just seems, like, more darker these days and, you know, like, always the antagonist is, like, a terrorist and it's always a threat coming from the out. I mean, what are your viewpoints on modern sci-fi based on the original, like, positive visions of the future, like in Star Trek? Or that was what, what are your viewpoints on that? Ooh, that's that's good. Um, well, I think I guess you know, like with say the Star Trek series, it's like I, I'm, I don't know if I've got my facts entirely straight, but I'm sure it's one one of the first series that had sort of a very, you know, multiracial cast. You know, so that was right, like right. unusual and brilliant. And you know, it's like no, there are people from different walks of life, and it's very easy. It's easier to say in a science fiction, like you know, this is this is society. There are people from all over the place, and they can all get along. And you know, there's no reason why you can't just show this as being completely like normal. And this is this is what happens, or this is what happens when cultures clash, but you can still get along with each other. And but like you said, I guess nowadays there is a lot of more, you know, the big bad guys. But I, I wonder if that's also just films in general these days because I think it used to be even not so long ago it's like ooh you know certain certain um, people would be like oh I don't want to see a sci-fi or certain studios would be like no no we're not doing sci-fi that's too genre and yet there's so many films coming out even just in the last few years that are huge budget films that are sci-fis and it does seem that like the bigger budget a film gets, you know, if it's over 100 million or over 150 million or whatever, it can't be a kitchen sink drama. It's got to be um, you know, it's got to be something larger than life. And if it's larger than life and it's a $150 million or pound budget, it's like, well, it can't just be someone's, you know, dog got stuck, you know, behind a, you know, I don't know, in the garage or something. It's got to be, you know, we've got to save the world and this big bad person is coming to get us, you know. So I guess <laughs> part of it, I think, is is also the day and age we live in where the stakes have to be so high that, um you know, that, that the world's coming to an end, you know, and someone's going to make the world come to an end unless so-and-so fixes it. So I think I think it's a bit of, yeah, like you said, the way maybe things are going in the way of sci-fi, but also, you know, how much they have to up the stakes for the bigger and bigger films. Right. Yeah. That makes, that's a good way That's a good way to articulate that. I like that. That's good. Well, you said you – you had mentioned being a uh, art director for Batman Begins and Harry Potter. Can you tell us a little bit about those films and what exactly your role was in the development of that? Oh, sure. I um, Let's see, I've been living, you know, sometimes I live in the U.K., sometimes I live in the U.S. We've been living back in the U.K. for a while, so we're just here for the, um, the Dimensions uh, release right now. Uh, but... I moved back to the UK in 2003 when I got a uh, job as an assistant art director on Batman Begins. So I was really lucky. I got to be involved uh, in the Gotham City set. So I was actually Ooh, based wow. out. Yeah, I was based outside of London with a senior art director, and basically it was this giant um, air hangar where they used to build airships. You know, like the uh, the Zeppelins and giant air hangar, and there were like three buildings that were already standing in there. 
uh, a company that had that before we moved in to, you know, make our Gotham City. Uh, there were buildings in there that were literally seven stories high within an air hangar. So this is like, wow. you know, bigger than the 007 stage at Pinewood kind of thing. I don't know if it's bigger than the new 007 stage, but it was bigger, I think, than the old 007 stage. And so and there were three buildings similarly. So we could sort of build and clad around the outside of these buildings and design, you know, the production designer and the art directors and all could design the bits to make our Gotham City. So I was up there with another art director and a whole bunch of construction and, yeah, just just building building Gotham City, which was a whole lot of fun. Uh, and, yeah, and then and the Batmobile came up, and that was fun. <laughs> nice. And then on, nice. on Harry Potter and Half-Blood Prince, I was uh, one of the art directors, and my two sets were the Quidditch Pitch and the Train Station. So Surbiton train station was used as the train station near where Harry Potter's um, aunt and uncle live. And then the Quidditch pitch was, um, it had been in the first three films, and I think it hadn't been around for a while, and then this was the sixth film I worked on. And uh, the production designer, Stuart Craig, who's lovely, he, he wanted to slightly redesign a bit. So I sort of got my head around the 150 drawings from the first three films, and then um, then sort of, from from the redesign he wanted, just redrew it, had a junior draftsman with me redraw the whole thing so that we could send it off to visual effects, to 3D, you know, outside company, and they could build it within the computer so that they could fly around, you know. And we also got to build half of the Quidditch pitch uh, full size. So basically it was a, a lot of grass with a big bank at the back and, and the lower parts of um, the three, what is it, the three, I want to say, hoops that, that the Quidditch – the Quidditch bit goes. What is it? The uh, oh, forgot the name. <laughs> the uh, oh, the thing with wings. I want to say the ball. Oh yeah, the. Uh, Sorry, oh, I'm man. terrible. The little, <laughs> the little thing that flies around there. Yeah. Yes. Oh, Thank you. I should know the name. Please <laughs> slip my mind. Anyway, all all Potter fans will know the name of that, and they'll be cursing me right now. It's all good. It's all good. But yeah, there was it's great all... working on that, and and I met uh, Daniel Radcliffe once. Very lovely guy. Um, and yeah, just a just a great team of people working on that for ten years. So I was lucky to work on it for a year. Now, for Batman, um, did you get the? You said the Batmobile. Did you get to have any development in any of like the motorcycles or the gadgets or any stuff? And uh, if so, also a secondary follow question: uh, uh, Christian Bale was he on set? I'm sure he was. And did you get to talk with him about like some of his opinions on some of that and like what he like for his suits and everything? Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't. I didn't get to chat with Christian Bale, but I, um, I was up on set. I think when he was filming there once, and and the bat suit is fantastic, and the Batmobile is fantastic. But I didn't have any. I didn't have any. Uh, it wasn't involved with the design of uh, what they called the tumbler, which is the Batmobile, or or the, right. the motorcycle was. That 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 film in the next film. Inside of it or something, yeah. That's right. That's right. No, that was. I think that was sort of a specialist um, uh, concept illustrator who helped uh, the designer with, you know, both the designer and the concept artist from that would have designed would have designed the vehicles. So I wasn't involved with that, but I did get to see the Batmobile. Which is oh, that's that's awesome. Cool. What does it, yeah. it look like in the end? Does it look just like in the movies? That you can see in the inside and all that. I I sat on the in the inside of it and it it's it's quite it's quite cool because you kind of because you have to crawl in through the top. You do feel like you're getting into a tank, and yet not that I've been in a tank, but um, you know you feel like you're getting in a tank, and once you're inside, it's 
yeah, it, it's as cool as you think it would be. <laughs> wow, that's that's awesome. And it, it, how fast does that thing go? Do you, I mean, how fast would you think it goes? I mean, like 50 miles, 60 miles? I mean, it feels like it's going faster than it is because it's, you know, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to comment on the suspension, but because it's, you know, it's not like the smoothest riding, you know, vehicle. So right. you feel like you're going faster than you are. and I, But I think it goes up to about 40-something miles an hour. Wow. But, you know, obviously they shoot it, they they film it, to, you know, and edit it and what have you to make it obviously right. look like it's going a bit faster. Make it shooting fast down. That was it, that was the hangar bay you had mentioned that was in the uh, first film where I guess you t- took the test drive of the tumbler, right? Yeah, I think that's right. Oh, no, no, the test drive. I think the te- was the test drive. Is that the one where um, they were in the big sort of white tent thing? Is that what you're talking about? Right. He was, yeah, he's like in a white hangar. He's flying around with, uh, I believe, Morgan Freeman's uh, Lucius Fox. He's driving, test driving. I was curious if that was the I same think, hangar. I think that was shot. Now, don't quote me, and I'm sure someone will look this up. Please do, and then email us. <laughs> okay. But but um, I think the bit you're talking about was the bit that was shot in the Millennium Dome, which the Millennium Dome has now been turned into a very cool concert venue that I went to see uh, Fleetwood Mac at. <laughs> The other week oh, wow. in um, in Greenwich in London. So now it's called the O2, and that was the Millennium Dome. And I think, but before it was made into this concert venue with all these shops, it was, um, it was yeah, it was an open space built for the Millennium, obviously called the Millennium Dome. And I think that was the bit that was shot there. But I think there's a bit right. with uh, the Tumblr where the, uh, yeah, where the Batmobile does go through the set that I was working on, which was our, you know, what was great is because it was this giant hangar with these giant buildings in it, our, our uh, Gotham City, we could shoot during the day, but for night, because obviously, like, night shooting gets to be tiring, expensive, you know, blah, 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 right. outside. Uh, whereas this was like, this is like a giant soundstage, you know, but we could, you know, obviously turn off the lights, you light it, and you're, you're nighttime, so you could shoot during the day. But there is, a, I'm sure there's a scene in Batman Begins where it's, where the tumblers racing around our set. Uh, right. up, it was a place called Cardington um, in Hertfordshire, I think. Anyway, and um, and it's racing under like the the subway, the L train, or whatever, and around the building. So yeah, we we saw it up there too. All right, well, we got yeah. about four minutes left. I wanted to ask you uh, one other quick question, and uh, at the end here, I'll let you uh, if you have any websites or links you'd like to give out for people to find out more information about your movie and various projects. Now, I okay. read somewhere you were, oh yes, more so. I read somewhere you had worked or had something involved with Lost in Space, the movie from the 90s. That, that was one of my all-time favorite sci-fi films, matter of fact. Uh, what, what exactly was your involvement in that, if you could elaborate a little bit? Oh, yeah. Actually, both Ant and I worked on that. So I was a junior draftsman at the time on that, and mm-hmm. he did graphics for the set decorator. So, yeah, it was a great art department. There was almost... 30 of us, we we pretty much took over all of Shepperton Studios, like almost all sound stages were lost in space at the time. And so there are great big builds of, you know, spaceships, and, and there was a big Robbie the Robot. And, yeah, wow. I, I drafted up details. I think there's this thing, we called it the hyperdrive. You didn't, it's it's in one of the, I'm trying to think of which, which scene it was in. You sort of see it, it's in one of the spaceships, and you look, you know, far down a sort of corridor, and there's this big cylindrical giant thing in the middle of the room that, um, you know, if if we had the money, it would have been more hourglass shape, but basically it's this giant cylinder with all these bits on it. So I, 
as a junior draftsman, I was very happy to draw up anything that was uh, that was thrown my way. So I drew that up and and helped with other other bits. And Aunt did a lot of the graphics that were in, say, like the medical lab and wow. and and books and all sorts of things. And and it just so happens uh, my how does this go? My cousin used to live in uh, Santa Monica, same last name mm-hmm. as me. My my maiden name Uren. And he lived near um, June Lockhart, who actually was in the original Lost in Space. And right. she also played, I think she played the uh, the principal at the school in the movie we worked on. That's and right. apparently she That's said right. to my cousin afterwards, hey, I saw your last name on the uh, on the credits. Do you know that person? And he was like, yeah, that's my cousin. <laughs> so small wow. world. Yeah, so it was, it was great fun working on, on Lost in Space for the, oh, yeah, I also worked on the planet's surface. Uh, where they oh, wow. where where it crashed in, and at that right. time it was J and K stage at Shepperton. That time J and K stage was all one stage. They just newly built J and K, and then after we were done with it, they sort of cut it off and made it just two sound stages. But we had this giant once again a giant sound stage, which is a whole lot of fun from an art department point of view. Um, all sorts of fabulous and wonderful. Uh, outer-worldly trees being built and foliage and, and, and giant spaceships that have landed. So that was that was definitely a lot of fun. Wow, that sounds awesome. And I guess that corridor thing had something to do uh, – we got about a minute and a half, but I guess that corridor thing had something to do with the uh, the, the thing that uh, the kid had built, the time machine to go back to prevent them from from getting lost in the uh, – the space, you know, like the the corridor, the hyperdrive. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'll buy that. Well, <laughs> I'll buy that. Super. For, well, well, is there any websites um, before we go that you like to give out for your projects and uh, oh and, yes, and also please, the yes. Yeah, we're um, uh, so our movie's called Dimensions, and the long title is Dimensions: A Line, A Loop, A Tangle of Threads. So Dimensions website is you can find out any information about. We just played two screenings in LA, and we still have limited release around the US. So we'll be playing Denver, uh, Dubuque, New Orleans, and Salt Lake City within the next week and a bit. And you can find out information at Dimensions the Movie, all one word, DimensionsTheMovie.com. And our U.S. distributors, who are fantastic, uh, their website is Film Festival Flicks, F-L-I-X, filmfestivalflicks.com. So you can find out information from that site about where you can see the movies in these different cities in the next few days, weeks, and also where um, you can uh, order to stream, buy, download, etc. from Film Festival Flicks or any information at dimensionsthemovie.com. And follow us on Facebook, please, uh, Dimensions the Movie, and on Twitter, Dimensions Movie. Thanks for that. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you thank you so much for uh, being a part of the show, Slynn, and I, I look forward to talking with you soon. Okay, great. Thank you. Take care. I'll talk to you Most soon. Well.